Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hi, you're listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast, a podcast about breaking into the world of finance, along with interviews with those who have. I'm your host, Alex Grodnick, and today we are speaking with Max Levenstein. Max is easily one of the smartest guys I know. He's a second-year MBA student with me at Anderson. He did investment banking this summer and decided it wasn't for him, so now he's building his career in real estate. So let's get into it, Max. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision. And it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Thanks. So you're an interesting guy. I think you're more pensive than others in school. You're really thoughtful. And so I know that you're going to have put a lot of thought into what you want to say here. So hopefully me and all the listeners get a lot out of this. Yeah, I think you'd have to define pensive first. But um, again, yeah. d- definitions <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I typically think of myself as trying to put a lot of thought into, you know, what I say before I raise my hand in class and, you know, what I write down on a piece of paper, um, you know, just given the fact that you know, you only have a certain amount of time here and it should be worth, uh, I mean, your time is, is worth a lot and you might as well make the best of it. Yeah. Time on earth or time at business school? Uh, I guess both, but yeah, I referring to business school. Right. Uh, so you and I are in school together. We're both second years at Anderson. And so give everyone the quick and dirty background. How old are you? Where are you from? What's your, what's your deal? Yeah. Um, so I often get this that I'm probably on the younger side for being in a full-time MBA program. So I entered uh, when I was 25, currently 26 years old, grew up in the LA area and uh, went to Michigan undergrad, moved to Chicago, had a few jobs. And I kind of define them as jobs because I really was not prepared to find um, a career after undergrad. I know a lot of my friends who were in that undergrad business school at Michigan, which is... Yeah, that's top. Yeah. People, um, people come out of there soldiers, yeah, ready to go. And so they were super prepared. I was a liberal arts major. I studied economics and political science. And and although we had kind of a quote-unquote career fair maybe once or twice a, a year, um, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what my resume should look like beyond what I was Googling and and those such things. Um, and so I, the only thing I knew that I wanted to do was move to, move to Chicago. I had visited there uh, maybe a summer or two before there and fell in love with the city. And my girlfriend at the time, um, she wanted to too. And so we happened to, you know, by virtue of the fact that we didn't even know what we were looking for and weren't prepared to do so, we both found jobs in Chicago, which was great. Um, but, you know, I didn't really have that much passion for them. Um, didn't really know what I was doing. 
Right. And so this is another unique storyline that I completely forgot about, but you're younger than most, but you also, you have a sweetheart that you went to Michigan with, you moved to Chicago with, and then all of a sudden one day you guys decided, let's go to business school together too. Yeah. So Paige is also our classmate. She's a second year. Um, she is great. Yeah. And so we're now engaged, which is nice and hopefully, uh, going to figure it all out in the next few months. So, so were, were you, were you guys on the same wavelength when you were in Chicago? You both kind of had what you call jobs looking for something more meaningful and you both had the epiphany or was it you who had the idea and you communicated it to her the other way around? Yeah, no, I think it was, uh, it never was a aha moment. It wasn't, I didn't wake up one day and know I wanted to go to business school. I think I'd always known I was going to do graduate school, whether that was going to be business school or law school or potentially some other master's program. Um, and I fell in love with the idea of business school because I, mainly because I had had a series of jobs throughout college where I was involved in a law firm or I was involved in, I, you know, I interned for a, a, a senator during one of my summers at college, and I just hated it. Um, I absolutely did not want to be in a law firm, didn't like the work, and so business school seemed like something that was more well-rounded, um, could be applicable to a number of different jobs that were more creative-focused um, or, or not. It could be technical as well. And so I thought it was a good way to kind of advance my career that way. And you know, she had grown up in L.A. as well, although we did meet in, in uh, Michigan, and so UCLA was a pretty, you know, natural, uh, you know, place to come. We right. both wanted to end up here. Families yeah. are here. Did you guys, I mean, you, you obviously applied to other schools, but it was the idea that you were, you both had to get into a school to go to it? You know, I don't think we ever thought about that. Um, you know, like we said, we're, we're on the younger side. And so my whole philosophy was I knew she was going to get in right. because she's awesome and intelligent and, um, I guess internally, I don't know if I ever voiced this, but if I didn't get in, so what? I'll wait a year. Did she get in anywhere better? Uh, she got into Booth. Uh-huh. We were living in Chicago. Um, so it was kind of a, should we stay here? Should we move? And, you know, we we decided to pull the trigger and move back to L.A. So, nice. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's easy. I don't know if it's an easy decision. Look at it now. Sunny and beautiful, although it's been raining a lot here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so then you came here and you guys, you and Paige are both, I don't know, you're finance driven, but different, different paths. And so you came to business school thinking, but I want to do investment banking and Paige came to business school thinking I wanted to do investment management or like, was that, did that come later? Yeah. And and I think this is, we're going to get into this in a little bit. It's like, why, why go to business school? Right. Um, I, I think I was pretty naive. Um, I think I had this view that, oh, the goal was to get to business school and then figure it out. And I'm sure your listeners have um, kind of seen other people speak to, well, it's once you get to business school, it's still tough. You're right. still hustling every day to basically start over. Um, not only start over from a network area, because now I'm in Los Angeles and the only people I know from LA are my parents and my high school friends. And so I have to reestablish myself as someone in this, this area. But then also I wanted to do something different. Um, you know, I had a sense of what I wanted to do, something financy, Something demanding, something with other smart people. Other smart people, you know, yeah, challenge myself. And that those were really my criteria. Um, I think I was pretty ignorant, pretty naive coming into school. But I did write my essay about real estate. I remember that specifically because 
I had lived in Chicago, in North Side of Chicago, loved downtown, the loop, um, you know, even the residential stuff. Um, and I, I just felt like it was perfect. I love design. I love architecture. Um, and I wanted to be able to see if I could pursue something that would, you know, my story goes, uh, you know, combine something that I was passionate about along with kind of the numbers side that I thought I was half decent at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my plan. Um, as you know, uh, last summer I was not doing that for my internship. Um, I kind of fell into this easy trap once you get to business school. Um, you know, meeting with their career advisors at, here at Anderson, which are great. Um, and I think they were rated like number one by Post and Quants or something like that. But, you know, I was, I was speaking with the, the career advisor who is actually both responsible for real estate focused people as well as investment banking focused people. And I told her I wanted to do real estate and her reaction was, that's great. Um, it's tough. Jobs are unpredictable. I don't, I can't tell you what you're going to get, when you're going to get it, how much you're going to be paid, what you're going to be doing. And I think I had like a mini anxiety attack. Um, you know, I thought coming to business school was the goal. And once I got here, right, everything takes care of itself. And I think that's a good lesson for life. You get an investment banking analyst job. Great. You're going to have a leg up. You get into a great business school. Same thing. You're going to have a leg up. But these are just parts of the journey. It's not like you get to be a Goldman Sachs analyst and the rest of your life is taken care of. You can be a millionaire in 10 years if you work hard. I mean, yes, that that option's on the table now, but it's a still a windy road to get there. Absolutely. Um, and so my, my, my gut reaction was, you know, I still want to do real estate, um, but I'm not sure if that was my plan to be so uncertain and, and have to do that legwork and put the hustle in to right. get it. Cold emails and networking and coffee exactly. chats. And, and when a job that pays more that you can almost be guaranteed is put right in front of your face as a great job. Yeah. And they say, you can have this job if yeah. you just follow these steps versus the other one. You may get a job. They may not pay you at your internship. When you graduate, they may not offer you a full time. It may not pay very well. So, yeah, these are quite drastic decisions. Exactly. So I was kind of lured by that. I wouldn't say easiness, but it's sim- it's simple. Right. Um, it's simple to get an investment banking job out of an MBA program. Uh, you have to put in work. Absolutely. But there is a roadmap that's in front of you. And we, you know, we had, you know, our second year students who had done it the year prior. And I just remember they'd always say, just do what we tell you, don't mess up and you'll get a job. And that's exactly what I did. So, you know, I got, I was one of the first people in our class to get a summer internship offer. Um, So that was the opposite of real estate, right? I, um, I knew I was where I was going for the summer, like January 7th. I... I knew what the the outcome would be on the outside on the other side of the internship if I were to perform, you know, a full time offer, and I knew kind of what that trajectory looked like, and that's you know going through the ranks of the investment bank, and so, you know, I did it. Um, I did it for a summer here in L.A. at Mollis, and you know I didn't love it. Um, not that the people were the people were great. I've never been around such incredibly driven people in my life who cared about their career and cared about their work as much as the people at that shop had done that summer. But there was just something in my gut that told me this was not for me. 
Um, and you know, after kind of taking what three or four weeks off at the end of summer, I, I, I knew what was important in my life was doing something that I was passionate about. And that was real estate. And I kind of had that, had to come full circle back to that. And I've really not looked back since. And I, the last, I don't know, was this 20, 25 weeks have been, you know, dedicated to not only learning as much about the industry and kind of what skills I need to know, but also obviously networking. It's a very relationship driven industry, very local game. Um, and so, you know, every week I'm trying to meet one or two or three, whether they're alumni or, you know, friends or colleagues of alumni and just trying to really research as much as possible about it. Right. So you kind of started business school going down the less risky path, guaranteed job, investment banking, consulting, big company kind of stuff. And then you realized, like a lot of people do, like I have, that I came to business school to follow my passion and not just to take the less risky path, which is what a lot of MBAs do. And so you saw your passion. It's real estate. That's awesome for you. I think that's half the battle is identifying what your passion is. A lot of people don't even, can't even do that. So you have a leg up there. You identify real estate. You start networking, talking with people around town. UCLA, the business school here, has some great real estate professors, advisors, investors, all that kind of stuff. So I assume you started to get in good with them, right? Yeah, I think um, you know our, our professors, by the virtue that we're in a big city like LA, are, are practitioners first and professors second, which makes it great because a lot of our casework and discussions are real life deals that they've worked on or, you know, issues that they've actually had to resolve. But I'll tell you, it's, it wasn't easy. Um, I thought I could just, you know, look at our career services, you know, what internships are kind of on our quote unquote board job board here and, and apply. And I was doing that in August of 2016. And so since August, 2016 through what is it? Today's the 2nd of March. Yep. Thanks for me. thanks for putting a timestamp on this. Now I'll, I'll have to release it soon. <laughs> It'll t- it took me this long to secure an academic internship, and it wasn't because I interviewed poorly, in my opinion. It wasn't because they didn't necessarily need anyone. It's just that there's so many people trying to get these jobs, and there's they're all qualified, and it's all about who do you know and do they need you at that exact moment. Right, so it's being right place, right time kind of thing because I'm going to say this. You're smarter than most people applying for these jobs. You've checked the boxes of taking every real estate class here at Anderson and networking with the professors and doing everything that you possibly can. And so kudos to you. It it paid off last week, right? Last week. So, yeah, I start next week. Um, and tell everyone what an academic internship is. Uh, so, you know, but it's something where I'll work anywhere from – hopefully 20 to 25 hours a week concurrent with uh, the class schedule as well. So, you know, little time for free, you know, recreational time, but um, my hope is to, you know, really perform well and learn as much as possible. And then also hopefully generate a a full-time offer at the end of it. Right. I think that's their hope as well. They get, you both kind of get an, uh, an inexpensive option if you perform, they'll hire you. If you don't don't like it, you don't have to take the the offer. But you both kind of get uh, a look at each other. Exactly. So and so, what's this company, and what what are you going to do there? Uh, yeah. So the company's uh, Hackman Capital. 
based in West LA and they, um, they have a bunch of projects, um, in LA and I'll be, I believe reporting directly to their kind of director of, um, asset management and they're doing a lot of redevelopment, a lot of construction, repositioning of assets. And so I'm going to be boots on the ground, getting my hands dirty and, uh, learning a great deal. And I also want to talk about your relationship with some of the real estate professors here. Cause like you've done something pretty cool. Oh, uh, so, you know, given the frustrations that I was having, uh, in the, in that time span of really not finding an internship and not getting the results that I was hoping for, you know, I, and we always had this discussion, um, you know, you can talk about what you want to do or you can just do it. Um, right. I think MBAs are great at talking about what they want to do. Exactly. And so I, I was kind of tired of talking about it. Um, so, you know, what did I want to do ultimately? I wanted to do real estate deals where I could identify assets and add value to them, whether it's remodeling units and retenanting and getting better management and, you know, all the range of things that you could possibly do to add value to an asset. Yeah, capital structure stuff. Exactly. And so, you know, LA is a great city to do that in. There's a lot of residential here that's all over the map, whether it's kind of lower income um, in the middle of the city or, I mean, you have the most expensive residential real estate in the world here. Uh, By the virtue, the fact that I have literally zero dollars in my bank account, um, Probably negative dollars. Yeah, <laughs> negative dollars. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I wanted to put a deal together. Uh, one of our professors, Eric Sussman, he is an entrepreneurial investor in residential real estate here in LA. And my final project in one of his classes was to put an investor presentation together for a theoretical deal. So my team and I went out into the world and identified an asset did all of our diligence, our underwriting, um, and presented the deal to him. And during that time, we kind of joked, ha wouldn't it be funny if we actually bought this? And we actually made that comment to Professor Sussman while we were presenting. He said, listen, if you're serious about this, bring, bring me a deal. I have cash that my investors gave me I need to invest in. And so I really took that to heart and spent the entire winter break, which I think was three or four weeks this year. And tried to find assets. And so I found one in East Hollywood, one in kind of what we call mid city, um, of Los Angeles and did all, did the same process, identified them, spoke with the broker, did my diligence on them, underwrote them, uh, got a lot of practice for my, you know, financial modeling and presented those investments to, uh, Eric. And, you know, I will say that the deals didn't go through and that's because I think this is a crazy market and people are willing to pay ridiculous amounts for assets that are worth much less. But it seems like I'm, I got the practice to really go through the, the process of pitching and raising capital, talking to lenders, talking to brokers, talking to equity partners and all the service providers of an asset. Um, and it's, it's been a great, great experience. And, you know, I'm still doing this. I'm trying to find one or two assets a week and present them, and hopefully, you know, build my own um, portfolio as well as something that I might be doing for a larger institutional size firm the first few years out of school. Right. I mean, probably at the end of the day, this is the goal, right? You get some experience, some know-how, and then you go, you can go do this. Yep. And it's, I mean, you've made offers on these properties. This is real. So yeah, 
This is great. And I'm sure Hackman Capital had to love this story too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing, you know, interviews at real estate firms are all focused on, well, what's your real estate experience? And ultimately at the end of the day, before this, I had to say none. I've taken classes, but. Right. So now you created your own. Yeah. So it's nice to have something that's a little bit, you know, it's not probably as effective as someone who has two, three, five years of experience actually doing this stuff with a institutional level firm, but you know, it's what I got. Sure. But it's powerful. Sure. And everyone likes a self-starter that does, that does. So let's talk a little bit about what, because like you're such a thoughtful guy, like what do you think makes a successful business school experience? What do people do here that get the most out of, out of the program? Yeah. And so I think this goes back to my comment a few minutes ago of, you know, being a little naive coming into school. Um, what I've realized is that the most successful people in our program are those who really knew what they wanted to accomplish here. They knew why they wanted to go to business school in general. They knew why UCLA Anderson was the right program for them. And they knew what that kind of path would look like once they got here. Who were they gonna talk to? How are they gonna execute? How are they gonna network the most effectively? Um, to me, those are the people that are doing noticeably better than kind of their peers. Right. And that's a spectrum of all sorts of different people. Exactly. And that, that could be in real estate. Um, there's definitely people who knew they wanted to do real estate and focus on that from day one. And there's people like me who didn't, there's people and, you know, Anderson by virtue of its proximity to kind of, you know, the Silicon beach. And I, you know, snap went public today. Um, as well as, you know, Silicon Valley up North tech is very focused a big focus of students here. And so we know students that all they wanted to do was work at Google day one. Um, And then there's people who came in and said, I like tech, but I'm not sure. And not that they didn't, they didn't get an internship. They didn't get a job offer, but it seems like they, it, it took them a few months to figure out what they wanted to do, which just made them that much lag behind, uh, behind their, their peers. Right. And it's still possible. And one of the things that people might want to do is find themselves. So that just takes a bit longer. Yeah. Finding yourself, uh, I would say it's definitely something you do, whether you want to or don't want to in school. Um, I think I definitely found myself from a personal and professional sense. Um, I think it's going to be a different experience for anyone, but that being said, I think being thoughtful about why you're here is, is really important. Um, it, it shouldn't be that I just want to go to business school and Anderson was the best one I wanted to. And I live in Boston and I just, I'll go to LA for a few years and then re-recruit for the East coast. People who are hiring you will get really confused by that. Right. That's not a succinct story. It's not. So this sounds like your advice is do your research. Yeah. Do your research and have a story, right? And, you just said that um, every interviewer I've ever had um, in business school is tell me about yourself. It's the first question. And, you know, you spend what, 60, 90 seconds talking about it. And you're not just going through your resume. You're telling a story. And that's why my story always starts with, well, I grew up in L.A. Well, because now that now, now it's not weird that I'm in L.A. after living in the Midwest for seven or eight years. Um, we I know a lot of people who like I just said, lived in Boston, 
came to LA, now we're recruiting for New York. And, you know, they're getting jobs, but I'm sure, and I've gotten feedback from them that, yeah, it's weird. I got to come up with like a weird excuse for why I'm in LA. Well, it's a great, you know, investment banking uh, school. Well, yeah, that's true. We do place pretty well, but so is Columbia and so is Tuck and so is, you know, Wharton. I mean, those schools are an hour from where you used to live and why come all the way to LA if you're going to recruit back for the East Coast? So I, I think being thoughtful about what's your story going to look like from the perception of, of recruiters and interviewers is, is what you want to be putting thought into right now before you go to business school. Right. I think that's solid advice. So what do you think has been some of your highlights of business school besides the getting these internships? I mean, those are huge accomplishments. What else is there to it? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, this is no secret. Um, they talk about business school as yes, you're taking classes, but the, the network is what re- you're really paying for. And it, it, it kind of is a little awkward to say, because why am I paying all this money to meet, uh, a lot of people that, you know, theoretically I can meet those people in a different setting. Um, but, but I will say that I've met some people at this school, you, yourself included, um, that, I think are not only going to be lifelong friends, but also lifelong business contacts as well. Um, you know, you and I, we always talk about, well, what are we going to do in the next five, 10 years? How are we going to interact and, and what, how can we work together? And, you know, I have that conversation daily with a number of different people. Um, you know, and that's not to say that all 300 and what is it? 75 students in our class are like that. Um, on the contrary, it's probably a vast minority of, of students that I actually have this interaction with, but you really only need 10, 15 solid, solid relationships to go forward, um, into the world with. And then, you know, the other layer of 200 or close, you know, colleagues that you'll always be friendly with and be able to reach out to on a moment's notice. And then that's, that's also very valuable. So you kind of get a, a different layer of, of uh, relationships as you do with probably, you know, any, any social group that you're ever going to come in contact with. Right. That's what this is right now. You're helping me out coming on the podcast. And once I make millions of dollars from (laughs) podcasting, I'll invest in real estate and on and on we go. Exactly. So you've kind of had a leg up because you've had Paige, who's now your fiance. So congratulations on that. That's a recent development, but you've had her in business school networking on a whole different on a whole different level with a whole different group of people same people and so you kind of have double networks yeah um it it is interesting uh so we came in so she she kind of is focusing on the more institutional uh i mean she's working for dimensional fund advisors so she's definitely more into the stocks and fixed income um world with you know investment management and you know my whole philosophy is Yes, real estate is investment management. It's kind of also a lot more. It's you know creative. It's asset management. It's kind of right an illiquid kind of market. Different asset classes, but that's funny. I'd never thought about that. Both of you guys are kind of in the same type of world. Yeah, yeah. and so it, we have kind of two different approaches. And so, you know, she's been super involved in some of the programs at Anderson that are focused on kind of student investment fund. Um, that's SIF. A big program here where, you know, she's kind of every week um, managing a portfolio of millions of dollars for the for the endowment. 
um, where I'm focused on other things. And so it's, it's been nice because her, her best friends in school are, are people that I've bumped into from, you know, in classes and whatnot, but by the virtue of the fact that we just happen to be around the same people, I'm, you know, forced and, and have the opportunity to meet and develop these, as we mentioned, kind of stronger relationships with more people than I think I would have in just a normal, isolated me going to school by myself situation. Yeah, I think it's a huge leg up. Yeah, My personality is what it is. It's not the most outgoing. If I had my bubbly wife here yes. networking for me, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think Mari would, uh, would do well here. I think she would do, <laughs> she would do well too. The last question I asked you was what makes people successful? How do people have successful experiences in business school? And you gave the MBA answer. It depends. And, or I guess maybe it's a law, a law school answer too. It depends. Um, so is there, can you boil it down further? Is there something, one or two things people do, traits, characteristics, what makes someone successful here? Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. I, I've always tried to define success in every kind of area that I've ever been in because I think success should be redefined. It, it's not the same for anyone. Um, and I think it, someone, uh, this is, I'm kind of going on here, but you know, to me, success is much different than it is to you. And it is to, you know, probably every single one of our classmates. And so I think before you apply to business school and while, even while you're in business school, you should be always thinking about what is success to me is success making as much money as possible for those wanting to go investment banking. That might be the answer. Um, is success getting a job that's going to set me up to get my ultimate job. So it's kind of, Am I looking 10 years down the line or is success getting that first job out of school, that product management job at the, uh, you know, Amazon or, or another snap, yeah, another, uh, tech company. You know, so I, it, you know, my, my definition of success has changed at least four or five times since I started, you know, I thought it was going to be set myself up for the, the most you know, the most kind of income generating career possible with the most influence and, and whatever and whatever. And that, you know, that's what let me down that investment banking. And you were successful along that path. You got a job at a great LA investment bank. Right. And, and I think while I was there, my definition of success might've changed. You know, I realized how valuable time was, uh, you know, investment banking will do that for you. You know, money is very valuable, but time when you're working, those hours are is very valuable, and I think it was a pretty stark change from being a full time MBA student, where all I have is time, to uh, an investment banking intern, where you have very little of it. And I kind of reframe my definitions of success to say, you know, I actually want a job that allows me to maximize value in my life, not money, not time, but what's that perfect combination where I get to have a life with my future family as well as build a career that I think is is earning me enough money to live the life I want but no more than I need um, because that's not what's really important to me. It's, you know, you, you the point is to work less and make more, not to work more and make, a, you know, a crap load. Um, and so that, that's, you know, that's one point in my MBA career where I kind of shifted my 
definition of success. And I think everyone's going to have that definition going into school and you should be really you know, thoughtful about what that definition is and always be kind of, you know, put a reminder in your calendar every month or two months and say, okay, rethink what my definition of success is. If it's the same, that's great and continue down the path. But if it changes, um, maybe your game plan needs to change as well. I think that's so smart. So we'll have you back on and hear how your definition changes <laughs> once you're a uh, successful real estate yeah. investor. Please. Okay. Well, this is awesome, Max. Thanks for, thanks for talking with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, it would be great if you would subscribe. You can find it on iTunes or WallStreetOasis.com. We have lots more of great podcasts coming. And if you feel like it, leave us a comment or maybe some stars on iTunes. That would also be nice. <laughs>